Hi there and welcome to another special end time edition of Nightlight. In recent weeks we've tried to bring you some comfort and inspiration and peace in the midst of this unprecedented coronavirus storm. As the great 19th century eschatologist B.W. Newton said, there's no light that Satan dreads more than the light of prophetic truth. It is truly a light that shines in a dark place. Well, here to help throw some prophetic light on what's happening in the world right now is Mark McMillian. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Mark, welcome back to Nightlight. It's been a while since we're last on the show. Where are you speaking to us from? I'm in uh, central Texas. What's it like there in the U.S. right now? I hear that some states are relaxing some of their restrictions, while others are very strictly enforcing lockdowns. What's it like where you are? It's it's exactly what you're saying. It's like in like in New York. New York still is just uh, in a league of its own. It's a very very serious crisis there, and bodies virtually in the street and in trucks on the street. Gosh. Whereas in Texas. Uh, it's been kind of locked down, but it's not to the same degree it is like in some of the European countries. So uh, the food stores are open. There's much less traffic on the street, but it's not locked down like it is in some places. And what would you say is the mood like among the general population as far as you can discern it? I hear there's large demonstrations in some cities. What's it like where you are? Oh, that's true. Like in the at the capital uh, in Austin, there were, but it was not like really tens of thousands. It was like, you know, maybe hundreds or maybe 1,000 people. And so you have some people like, you know, really wanting to get back to work and everything. But it seems like a, a large majority of the people realize that this is a, a serious situation and that for the everybody's health and safety, that for this time, there needs to be social distancing. Right. And are there any indications of the impact that this is having or going to have on the U.S. economy? Are you headed for another Great Depression with widespread unemployment and food lines and so on? Does anybody really know what's going to happen from here on? I, I keep up with the news a lot. I sort of come from a newspaper journalistic background and I keep up with it a lot. And it does look totally unprecedented in our lifetime. It's something like seemingly like the 1929 and the Great Depression, where you have massive unemployment, and they can't even exactly even get the numbers because it's so many people are unemployed. And so in many ways, the greater crisis is the effect it has on people's lives because of social distancing and the economy being closed down. So that's really the unknown factor and almost in some ways a, a different and a greater danger. Yes. And what has been the effect that you've generally noticed on Christians in the U.S., Mark? How have they reacted to the situation and especially to their churches being closed down? I know you attend quite a large church in your area. What are they doing now that there's no services? And do they see what is happening as an attack on their faith and on Christianity? My experience is that, I mean, the church I go to fairly early on, they were able to basically take everything online. So the pastor does his sermons online, and he has a lot of people there. Uh, the Sunday school group that I went to, we do sort of like an un an online Sunday fellowship on Zoom. And so I think a lot of people realize that this is like, this is real. You know, this, I mean, a lot of people, they look at it like this is... Uh, 
this is reality. This is like you know something from 1918 or something we haven't seen before. So the ones that I'm in contact with, at least, my friends are not looking at it like this is uh, an attack. But there, you read about other places, like some people in Florida. I mean, this pastor just decided we're going to have church anyway, and so everybody came. So you have people like that, but it's a minority. Right. Uh, is there any feeling that this may be a judgment on America? I mean, there's a lot that America could and should be judged for. Do they see the need for America to repent? Some do, but it's a minority. There's some people that talk like that and, and, and see those things, but it's not a majority. It's a, it's a really interesting subject, Simon. It's, I, I think about it a lot because I'm an American and I live here. And it's a, it's a, I was just thinking, this may sound, you know, we haven't discussed this before, but in Re, you've got Revelation 18 about the, the judgment on the great whore. And then in Revelation 12, you've got the woman in the wilderness. And I was thinking, could those things be happening simultaneously? Because you have people here, you have some people here who I believe are like really sincere Christians and they are sort of receptive, like those are things I share. So you have kind of like things going on in parallel. You have this, like you say, a, a really a, a situation where the judgments of God would be called for, but you also have people who are trying to walk according to the light they have, and the Lord's kind of like separating those people and bringing those people further along than they were before. That's how it seems to be sometimes. Like the verse in Revelation chapter 18, uh, verse 4, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, yeah. and that ye receive not of her plagues. Yeah, I, t I talk about that. I talk about that here with my friends, but I have to be, you know, I can't just really... If I blow them away, that won't be profitable. But I, I bring up things like that, and I talk th about things like that, and and people are much more willing to listen to that and to think about that. I mean, I have people here. I have friends here. There's the whole thing, which was called the preppers, you know, like for the word preparation. Right. You have a, lots of people in Texas are are preppers, and they they expect something to happen. They expect a social chaos, and they expect things to happen. There's a lot of people like that. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Mark, when we were talking yesterday, preparing for this program, I thought it was very interesting what you said about putting this coronavirus pandemic into an historical context. I, I mean, I read history nearly every night. I, I love history because history is like somebody said, history is his story and you can see the hand of God blessing or judging nations and individuals it's, it's an incredible thing. But, I mean, for me, uh, I was born shortly after World War II. I lived in Europe a whole lot. I've, I spent much of my adult life outside the States. And I just like feel like there's been a, a prosperity and a stability that historically is kind of unusual. You don't have 70 years passing in history where you just have a continual prosperity. Of course, if you live in Syria or you live in some of these places... Some of the places in the world, they haven't had prosperity, but there's been this prosperity, and now this is like a pretty big shakeup right now. It certainly is a shakeup, and it's brought the whole world to its knees and caused just so much mass confusion. 
In fact, I'm reminded of the very well-known prophecy of the U.S. evangelist Virginia Brandt Berg way back in the mid-1960s of a great confusion that would come upon the world so suddenly that it would cause a mighty widening of the eyes of those who would not discern the signs of the times. I mean, there's just so much great confusion about this coronavirus, so many diverse opinions and theories, so much fake news and fear, hysteria. It's just so hard for people to really know what is actually going on. And many Christians are also confused as to how what is happening ties in with Bible prophecy. Many fear that the Antichrist is about to set up a world government, that the mark of the beast could be linked to a mandatory vaccine. And it's easy to see that most Christians have little understanding of what the end-time prophecies in the Bible, in the books of Daniel and Revelation especially, what they actually say. So, Mark, I'd like you to highlight for our listeners some of the definite landmarks that we can look out for going forward, clearly visible guideposts that can show us where we are in the timeline and chronological order of the prophesied events that we know have to happen between now and the great day of the second coming of the Lord. What do we look out for next? Can the Antichrist arise any day or is there anything that has to happen first according to Bible prophecy? Well, Simon, there's so many <laughs> there's so many things I could comment on what you said. There's so many things. I mean, if I could just go back to the thing you said about the about the confusion and the great confusion, that is so true, uh, so incredibly true, and such a an earmark of the times we're in right now. That you know that phrase, the great confusion, is not something you can find in the Bible, but it it was prophesied. And it is more difficult now. We have so much information. It's so difficult for almost everybody to find what is the truth. What's Because there's this guy and this guy and this thing, and there's so many things going on. But, but the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Yes. But this is what, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to flood us with confusion uh, and, and consternation. So just trying to keep our heads above water, to try to have to be clear-minded and to be factual, because this is the, the greatest thing we have is the truth. Yes. We have the truth of God. And if we're going to be able to do anything in the end time, I mean, we, we may be working miracles, but to be able to explain to people, this is happening, and this is what the Bible says. So we, as discipleship Christians, we need to keep our head uh, above all the crazy things going on. Right. You were like saying, well, where, where are we at? What's what's going on? To me, I can't, you know, raise my right hand and swear this, but people have said for years, one of two things has to happen before the final events of the end time come. Either what they said, either the war or the crash. And what they meant was that there was an expectation that something had to shift. There had to be some kind of shift to bring in the atmosphere so that these final end-time events can happen. Right. And like right now, it does seem to be like a crash. It's like something from 1929. It's like something that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Yes. Maybe they're going to pull the cookies out of the fire. Maybe everything's going to go back to normal, but maybe it's not. And everybody knows that. Maybe it's not going to go back to normal. It's like what we were talking about yesterday, Simon. When you read history, when you read some of the 
foreshadowings in our times of the Antichrist, people who were similar. And of course, the first thing that most people think of is they think of Adolf Hitler. Right. Because, I mean, that guy, he was really something, and he was very unusual. He, he, he spoke with great words. He, he moved people. He was charismatic. He was evil. But before Hitler, there was a, a period of 10 or more years of kind of confusion and, and collapse of society. And within that circumstance, that's what made it possible for a, a dictator like Hitler to arise. And similarly, to some degree, it's what happened with France and with Napoleon in, at, at the French Revolution. France was in a big mess for years, and then Napoleon... It was not exactly the same thing, but it was a similar kind of figure, this strong man, dictator. Everybody, you know, looked up to him and so charismatic. So we might be in a time similar like to that. So it makes it more possible for a charismatic strong man to take over. Wow. Very well put. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. Let's talk now about this strong man that's going to take over the reins of world power, the Antichrist. Mark, how will we be able to recognize him? And is there anything that has to happen in the world first before we see him rise to power? Yeah, it's an ex excellent, interesting question. It's like there's there's these different things, many of which people, many people know about. There's these different in-time events and characters that more and more people are not, you know, the mark of the beast. Everybody's talking about the mark of the beast. And they yes. kind of a little bit think they know what that is. It's something having to do with economics. So there's that. There's uh, the temple in Jerusalem. A lot of people are talking about that. There was a big article a couple, couple of days ago in a, in a major London newspaper that explained the whole thing about the temple in Jerusalem and its significance and sacrifices and the end time. And it, was, it wasn't in a Christian publication. It was in a London newspaper. Wow. So you have the temple. You have the sacrifices. You have the mark of the beast. You have, like you say, the Antichrist. So some of these things are further along than others. I mean, I cannot tell you. I have no idea who the Antichrist is right now. That is a, an unknown. Some of these other things are seemingly showing up more. But it's like, okay, the specifics of the Antichrist... Uh, I just got a, a response to one of my videos a couple of days ago, and somebody was sort of taking me to task. And they were saying, well, you know, it says in Daniel 7 that the little horn is going to come out of the fourth beast, but Mark, you say he's going to come out of the third beast. Right. <laughs> because in, in, in Daniel chapter 8, there's the goat, and with the four horns, and then in Daniel 8, 9 says, out of one of them, came forth a little horn. So I wrote back to this person and I said, well, I didn't say, it's a geographic thing. These things don't contradict each other. But one of the attributes of the Antichrist, according to scripture, is that he's going to come out of one of the four geographic areas of Alexander the Great's empire. That, yes. We don't know what that means. Uh, it could be Egypt. It could be, could be southern Russia, actually. So there's that. It's like something you mentioned yesterday. He's going to come up and be strong with a small people, whatever that means. Right. Some of these things we, we don't totally know. It says, neither shall he regard the desire of women. What does that mean? It means he, he's, he does, he's not attracted to women. Is that what that means? <laughs> That's, but it's in the Bible. Yes. And he's going to speak 
He's going to speak great things and blasphemies. Evidently, he's going to confirm a covenant. Okay, that's another very controversial thing, because I get people writing me, Mark, Jesus confirmed the covenant. The Bible says Jesus confirmed the covenant. Well, the Bible does say that. But the deal is, the word covenant is used in more than one place in the Bible. Sometimes it simply means an, an agreement, a league. So the covenant that's spoken of in Daniel 9 and also spoken of in Daniel 11 seems to be some kind of an agreement that makes it possible, quite likely, for sacrifices to be started at the temple in Jerusalem. So these, to me, are some of the things, whether it's the temple in Jerusalem, sacrifices, the mark of the beast, uh, the collapse of society so that a one-world government becomes necessary, economic. Many people think that there's going to be a real shift economically. I live in I don't live in Sweden, but I my kid, some of my kids live in Sweden. Sweden has almost gotten to the place where they don't use cash anymore. Really? It hasn't been forced. It's just people just sort of like socially they just don't use cash anymore. Wow. So all these things are in movement. It's moving by increments. Some things happen suddenly and some things happen by increments, but there's a lot of incremental movement toward this final end time picture. Signs of the Times. Mark, I got a message from Tommy. He's a listener in Germany. And he says, personally, I think that we've started the first three and a half years before the Great Tribulation because things are getting too tight for this to be just a testing phase. And I got back to him and said, well, remember, there needs to arise 10 kings in Europe first. And then the Antichrist comes on the scene as a little horn who becomes strong with a small people who then plucks up three of the horns by the roots as he establishes his power. None of this has happened. So the Antichrist must still be in the future, suggesting that the current grab for world power by the globalists is not going to work. What's your opinion on that, Mark? Oh, those are very good very good points there. Very good. I mean, the whole thing that you're talking about, about the 10 horns or 10 kings in Europe, this is from Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, I've, I've done a video on that. That video is now in 10 languages, and I'm wow. so thankful for that because Daniel 7 is almost the greatest synopsis, the greatest uh, coming together in the Old Testament that um, is a preview of the book of Revelation. There's so many things in Daniel 7. It's only 28 verses and if people read and understand Daniel 7, you're going to get a pretty good picture of the end time. But one of the things that it says in there, it talks about uh, the ten horns. Yes. The Antichrist, the Antichrist plucks up three of those horns by the roots, and the Antichrist is around until the coming of, of the Lord and all. So that means that, that these ten horns are there in the end time. And so somebody could challenge us, well, okay, what are those ten horns? And we're going to have to say we don't know right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny situation because we're, we're using the Word of God, almost like our eyeglasses, to look into the future. And that might seem funny for people. But the thing is, it's like what you and I were talking about yesterday, which it's so encouraging to me. Because you can read some of these these people. You got Sir Robert Anderson or B. What is it? B. H. Newton. Is that the guy's name? B. W. Newton. B. W. Newton. I mean, these are people who were they were writing in the 1800s and 1870s, and I've, I've read their material, and they 
used the Bible and they looked they looked forward and they could see the return of the Jews to Israel. And and for us we go, well of course that happened in nineteen forty eight. But these guys are writing in eighteen eighty and they have nothing but scripture and they were right. Yes. And so they used scripture to look forward to see things that have happened now in our lifetime. So in the same way we can do the same things. We can say, I don't see any ten kings or what? But we know from scripture, from scriptural glasses, these things are gonna happen. You have the Antichrist plucking up three of those horns by the roots. What is that? I don't know exactly what that is, but it's something that we can watch for and be aware of. Right, so we don't have to worry that the AC is going to pop up tomorrow because we have to see the ten horns or the ten kings first. Yeah, I think that's really important, Simon. I think that's really important. I hope it's okay. I just bring in here something again that when we were talking yesterday. Sure. Something I wrote has to do, I wrote this thing called The Whites of Their Eyes. And it's a little bit of uh, getting something off my chest because there's it's so easy for people to kind of like shoot prematurely to, you know, this is it and that's it and this is it. It's sort of human nature, but it's not really good for ourselves and it's especially not good for others because it ends up being a little bit like the little boy that cried wolf. I mean, if every time something happens, we say this is it and then it's not it. We, we not only discredit ourselves, we discredit the Word of God. And people go, oh, you've always been saying that. So true. So it's something we don't want to prematurely say this is it when we don't really know that. Because when the time comes and it is it, when the time comes and the Lord says this is it and that what he lays on our heart, we may end up having to die for that. You know what I mean? When it's really it and we really stand up and say who these guys are and what's going on, you talk about persecution, we're going to get persecution then. And we're going to have to have that conviction that it is it. But beforehand, it's just uh, it's it's not so wise to prematurely be yelling, this is it, when it's not really it yet. <laughs> yes, and it's not really it yet because we've not yet seen the Antichrist and the Ten Kings before him. So this present grab for world domination by the globalists is doomed to fail because the world... Under the Antichrist, it's still divided into major powers that are not all under his control. I mean, he fights a number of major wars against the king of the south. And then after he's invaded Israel, he fights against another king of the north and also the east. And then right before the Battle of Armageddon, he fights against an army of 200 million who come against him from the east. Although the Antichrist would like to be ruler of the whole world, he clearly isn't. And his main power is the countries of the old Roman Empire. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. Uh, it's, it's a really super interesting, super interesting subject. Uh, and, you know, some people, some people try to say, well, this whole, the whole end time thing is just sort of a, a thing totally you know focused around Israel it's just going to be happening in the Middle East the Antichrist isn't going to be a world ruler but Revelation 13 I believe it says you know all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him so he, he's certainly going to try to be a world ruler lighting your path through the end times you're with nightlight a thought about the Antichrist that it's like this I mean there's only one Christ. There's only one Jesus. There's no series of similar persons to Jesus. There's, they're not. I see this coming person the same way this coronavirus is like unlike anything that's happened in our lifetime. I, I expect the Antichrist to be 
a kind of a, a person that, like Alexander the Great, I mean, that guy was really unusual. He doesn't just come along all the time. There's other people in history. I mean, even we talked yesterday about Winston Churchill. I mean, Winston Churchill was quite a character, uh, Adolf Hitler. We haven't seen people like that in our lifetime very much. So the Antichrist is going to be sort of like all things to all men. He's probably going to be an absolute genius. He's going to be charismatic. He's going to be spiritual. He's going to be military. There's not anybody that we can easily relate to. He's going to just inspire awe and fear, and people are just going to worship him, similarly like to how it virtually was with Hitler. That's about the closest we can relate to it. But he's going to be unlike anything that we've seen before. And some people have said it's um, it's like, you know, a lot of these scientific people, it's like we're, we're right at the edge of the next stage of evolution. Yes. You know? And the Antichrist could pull that kind of card like that. You know, he, with science, because uh, it says he, he worships a God, he worships an unknown God. And some people think, well, that could be, that could be science. He could be using science. And this is where the mark of the beast comes in. Like, there's people who teach that the mark of the beast, it's not just going to be some little chip in your hand. The Lord's not going to send you to the lake of fire because you get some kind of little economic chip planted in your hand. It's, God doesn't work like that. If it's just some kind of economic thing, it's got to be more than that. Right. Gives, to me, it comes across like some kind of uh, science fiction next stage in the evolution of humanity. It's going to be really uh, something like we haven't seen before. We have these different glimpses. We have this verse. We have this verse. And we put this, it's like a collage. And we put these things together and we see this picture. But we're still kind of looking through a glass darkly. We're looking to the future by using these different Bible verses to try to understand the picture. Well put. The Antichrist, he's going to be, he's going to inspire awe and worship. He's just going to be very unlike anybody that we've seen before. Nightlight Insights. Well, there are a lot of related topics that I'd love to have time to discuss with you, like, for instance, who or what is the great whore of Babylon that the Ten Kings and the Antichrist destroy. But for now, is there anything you would like to add to what we've been talking about? Yeah, it's like something that's that's on my heart that you've already mentioned already. And it's like there's all these things, but then it all kind of comes back to us. Many of the people listening to this program, listening to your material, they're not just uh, once a week Christians, they're discipleship Christians. Yes. They're Christians who know how to win souls, they know how to feed God's sheep, they know that they're trying to follow God. And so for ourselves, we need to really be hopefully clear-minded and clear-hearted because somebody is going to stand up against this guy. I mean, this is biblical. We can prove it from Scripture without a doubt. There's a plenty of verses that show that there are going to be Christians and believers who are going to be strong and do exploits. They're going to be instructing many. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Somebody is going to be doing that. Wow. But for that to happen, we need to take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally because, like you said, it's great confusion. It's very easy to get confused or to get distracted. The enemy is going to be throwing every single thing he... And it already is. He already is. He's distracting us. Uh, he's confusing us. He's getting us tripped off on different things. But the, the strongest thing that we have is our connection with the Lord and our knowledge of the Word. 
this is this is what we have. Yes, this is what we have. We're, we're not political scientists. We're not. Uh, we're Christians. That's the strong, and that's what people are going to need more than anything else. They're going to need things explained to them. This is what's happening. This is what the Bible says is happening. This is who this guy is. That's what Peter did in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. All these things were happening. The first thing that Peter did was. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter immediately brought it back to prophecy and started explaining those people. In fact, that whole thing in Acts, in Acts 2, he just kept quoting scripture. He just kept, kept quoting prophecy. You're right. And that's how we need to be in the final days. We need to know scripture and to have that solid foundation so that we can answer people's questions from the word. I mean, that's, that's something that's on my heart a lot. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And our guest is Mark McMillian, speaking to us from Texas in the USA. It's been great, Mark, but maybe we've given our listeners enough to digest in one sitting. So before we sign out, anything else you would like to share? No, I'm just so inspired. Uh, I'm so thankful for the show that you have. And I'm so thankful for how many people I know who are almost elderly, <laughs> right. who are keeping the faith and, and flying the flag and trying to stand up for the Lord, and uh, because that's what's needed. It's not just Sunday Christians. We need discipleship. We need disciples to keep keep the faith and to keep serving the Lord. So I'm so thankful that you have this show and that you and your, your team and people that are working with you there and people that are contribute are, are still doing what we can. I'm just super inspired about that. Yes, our greatest days can still be ahead. I believe it. I mean, anytime I'm tempted to feel like slowing down because I'm getting so old, I remind myself of some of the most powerful people in the world still going strong when they're 10 or more years older than I am. You have Joe <laughs> Biden running for president at 79. Nancy Pelosi is 80. Donald Trump in his mid-70s. Yeah. Now imagine the stress they're under, not to mention George Soros, yeah. Rockefeller, the Rothschilds, all these old, old guys still trying to take over the world. Yeah. Even Henry Kissinger, for God's sake, I found out is still yeah. alive and active behind the scenes. I mean, if they yeah. can keep going, how much more we, especially when we have the Holy Spirit to help us to do it. No, it's it's so true what you say, because you see, the deal is right now, right now, today, and in, in the last weeks, I've been working on the Daniel 10 video, and I've been working on the pictures and the text, and, and I hope to have that out by the end of the summer. Well, Daniel... Daniel was up into his 80s. He wasn't 81. He was like 85 or something. Like He was old. And he, he had this incredible experience. I mean, the angels basically almost had to, to hold him up because he was in like in the presence of, uh, of these mighty angels like that. And he was way up in his 80s. So the Lord can still use people when they're pretty old. <laughs> I think a lot of those prophets and other characters in the Bible were old people when they were most used by the Lord and in their prime. Yeah. So come on, any of you old people listening, let's make the last lap of the race our best by God's grace. Yeah. I mean, we've trained our whole lives for this. So let's make the most of it. I mean, we'll never have the chance again for all eternity to serve the Lord under the dispensation that we're living in now. So let's go for it. Amen. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light 
to the world. Mark, before you go, please do share your contact details so people listening can see these wonderful Daniel videos that you've been working on for many years and also your very popular blog. Yeah. Okay. The I have two websites and one of them is called prophesiesofdaniel.com. Like all one word, prophesiesofdaniel.com. That site is in 15 languages. If you go to the upper right-hand side, you see all these little flags. And if English isn't your first language, maybe your flag will be there. There's nine videos that have been done in English, and I'm, I'm working on other ones right now. And there's also blog articles on that site and videos. There's a second site that's more general, and that's just my name, markmacmillian.com. And that's more uh, not just about prophecy in the end time, but also other subjects and things going on in my life. So, yeah, I welcome anybody to, to check that out. And especially if you're trying to find ways to, to share the word, uh, share end time Daniel things with people. The videos are designed for people that are new to the whole thing. They're not very long. They're very visual, lots of art. And they're made for beginners. And I have no doubt, Mark, you're going to get a lot of new viewers as people dust off their Bibles and look to Bible prophecy to shed light on what in the world is going on. Thanks, Mark. And let's talk again soon. Well, this is wonderful. I'm so glad I could be doing this with you. And I look forward to talking to you again, too. God bless. The light is always on with Nightlight. Well, let's end with a song. And I was praying about what would be a good one. Uh, quite a few songs about the Antichrist, even one about the Great Confusion. But I think this one from Emmanuel Gilligan is very appropriate because it reminds us that it doesn't matter what fiendish plans the devil is trying to foist on the world. God is going to override them. Just a piece of clay